Kevin Knight is the acting chief of staff for Congressman David Schweikert of Arizona and a former member of the Minnesota House of Representatives. This is Kevin Knight. I'm Duncan Gammy. You're listening to Dunk Tank. All right. I, I'm here with uh, Kevin Knight. Thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Um, so I wanted to talk to you because you were in D.C. at the time of the Capitol riots um, back in January 6. Um, and just to sort of frame this discussion, uh, what was your experience of that day like? So um, that was on a Wednesday, uh, but I would go back two days earlier or even maybe uh, a couple of weeks earlier, um, a couple of uh, of my colleagues in the district office in Arizona were telling me that the president was, you know, requesting or, you know, uh, advocating, you know, his, you know, I don't want to say followers, but uh, supporters, you know, come to DC and that would like to see a million and a half to 2 million people. So with that as a backdrop on Monday uh, on the 4th, uh, I walked around the Capitol uh, th- three times just to get exercise. Uh, there was virtually nothing going on. You know, there's visitors can't go into any of the office buildings. So, I mean, it was, it was deader than the doornail. So I was just walking around getting a little exercise. Did the same thing on Tuesday. And I came back on the second walk and I commented to the, uh, my boss, uh, Congressman Schweikert, that I'm, somewhat surprised that there's not more police out there and uh, you know, some type of barricades just to, you know, at least funnel people to go in a certain direction because, you know, a million and a half, 2 million people, that's, that, that's just a lot. Right. And he goes, yeah, it doesn't make sense to me either. Anyhow, uh, Wednesday uh, I walked around uh, first thing in the morning um, and you know how, sometimes in hindsight, you look back and you attribute things that were, you know, that were there that really weren't. And so I, I'm not going to say I had a, a sense of what was going on because I didn't. Right. But I did feel like there was nothing going on in terms of uh, police protection or, you know, th- so anyhow, around 11, 15, 1130, I walked over to the Capitol with the boss and, um, Anyhow, he, he, he was going to stay. They were taking up uh, um, that particular day. They were bringing up all uh, they were, I guess, uh, you know, authorizing or validating every state's uh, vote for president. Right. And uh, Arizona, the uh, one of the congressmen, Paul Gosar, was challenging the vote. And so they're allowed three hours uh, of debate. So. Um, I left, uh, and my, my boss went inside the floor and then, um, I met up with another congressman, a, a friend of mine from Minnesota, Congressman Emmer, and we went and had a sandwich, uh, up in his office and then, um, a little fuzzy on the timing, but maybe sure. 12, 15 or so, or 1230 heard some noises, uh, looked out the window and there was a lot of commotion and, I said, Tom, I'll see you later on. I'm going to go over to, to see, uh, you know, see what my boss is up to. At this point, my boss had just had walked back into the office and he, not because of any of the commotion or anything, because he, uh, he came from under uh, the tunnel underneath. 
he wanted to watch the proceedings on television because it was going to be three hours and it's just that it's easier to watch it on TV than, than on the house floor. And within a minute of him, you know, him and I and our comms director sitting down to watch it in his office, police, you know, came barging in our office and said, you, everyone has to leave. So uh, anyhow, I, turned to grace our comms director i said you ready to go and she said yeah and and david said you know schweikert or the congressman he said you guys go ahead uh i'm gonna go back to the you know to the house anyhow uh grace and i got ushered or escorted down to the basement uh to a room of i don't know three or four hundred people and as you might imagine the first thing that popped in my head was uh you know, this looks like a COVID hotspot. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I, I, I'm not interested in getting COVID. So uh, when the police weren't looking, uh, we ducked out and we went over towards Longworth and uh, got out of the building that way. Uh, at that point, uh, Grace said, well, where do we go from here? And we heard, uh, either flat gunfire or flashbang, you know, you know, some kind of loud noise and which was off to our right. And he said, we're going to our left, you know, we're going to go away from all that. And so we circled around uh, the cannon building is the building we were in and uh, tried to go down to uh, Navy yard. That's where grace lives. And that's where I stay. And, um, Anyhow, the police had already had everything quartered off and they kept pushing us further and further. Uh, I think it was westerly. And uh, after about 45 minutes or so, uh, we called one of our colleagues and he who he was working. He was telecommuting that day. He uh, he came and picked us up and then uh, drove us each to our, our our places. Yeah. So what, what was, especially I'm, I'm thinking in that moment when you're in that room of 200, two or 300 people, congressional staffers, uh, it, it, are, are there Congress people in that room as well? Yeah, there were. What was the sense? What was the atmosphere like? Was it very fearful, uh, incredulous? What was that? Well, like? Duncan, I, I honestly, I can't say because I mean, I'm literally less than 10 seconds. We yeah. were there. Uh, because I, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't completely process the whole, I mean, I, I knew there was, a, you know, some kind of uh, violence or insurrection or something going on, but uh, the COVID thing popped in my head. And so I was adamant about not wanting to spend any uh, additional time there. I gotcha. And, and one of the things that you just mentioned where you said your colleague was saying, where do we go from here? there's kind of a broader sense to that question as well in terms of um, I, I think part of the reason why I was interested in, in talking to you is because you're, you, you have a reasonable concern about what happened on January 6th. You're a member of the Republican party and it feels like there's sort of a question over the future of that party. And a lot of it has to do with what went down on January 6th. Um, why, to begin with, why was um, Paul Gomer, I believe you said his name was, why was he challenging the vote? Can you hear me? 
Uncle Kevin? Yes. Oh, okay. I don't know what happened there. Uh, no worries. Paul, Paul was convinced, along with many, many uh, others, that um, the vote was not accurately counted. And what um, what were those concerns based on? You know, this <laughs> here I am. I'm a chief of staff for a congressman, and uh, i i didn't I didn't spend an enormous amount of time listening to those concerns because I had you know friends in the legal profession who spent you know who worked on this, and one person in particular told me he was convinced that there was not, uh, you know, not a problem. Right. And, uh, you know, is there cheating in elections? You know, Duncan, every election, you know, that has, you know, north of a hundred million people voting, there will be cheating that goes on. It's just, you know, that unfortunately that is, uh, you know, that's human nature. The question you have to ask, was there enough cheating done to alter the uh, the outcome, and 52 lawsuits uh, were filed, and 52 lawsuits were either ruled uh, no compelling evidence or completely thrown out of court. So um, you have to then believe that you know not only Dominion, the uh, the company that makes the uh, uh, the ballots, you know, the, the county machines, and then all the workers who were guarding and watching them, and that elected officials, including some Republicans like the Secretary of State in Georgia and the governor in Arizona, uh, were all in cahoots to throw this to uh, over to uh, Mr. Biden right. or President Biden. And, um, you know, I was born at night but I wasn't born last night. And, um, I just, I, I don't buy it. Right. And, um, so, uh, that, that, that's my perspective. I'm, I'm not criticizing others who feel differently, but that's my perspective. Sure. I, the part that I think is important though, is that be, especially coming from the highest level of the presidency, for instance, of saying that this election was rigged, it was stolen from me. the results are fraudulent. I feel like that is such an explosive claim that while certainly people should be allowed to challenge the results, there should be lawsuits if people feel they need to make lawsuits and settle it in a court of law. It's a, it's such a, you're playing with fire. And I think that's part of the consequences of what happened on January 6th. So I'm, I'm curious, what is, do you think there's a sense among some of the people um, because there were certain senators after um, this insurrection happened who were um, a part, a party to challenging uh, the vote and then who relented and said, okay, let's let it proceed. Um, Do you think there was a sense of regret or, you know, Oh, we've gone too far. I, I I really don't know. Um, But the one, see, I, I think it's very important that um, you think of politics or society as a series of brownstone houses uh, and, you know, just block after block. 
And all I can take care of is out in front of my house, sweep the porch, keep it clean and, you know, be the best neighbor I can be. Right. But one of the challenges is, and see, there's enough, there's enough stuff out there. For example, like you mentioned, uh, um, you know, the president challenging the vote, um, just 11, well, yeah, 11 months earlier, uh, Hillary Clinton, who had lost to, you know, President Trump, you know, three years prior to that, was saying, called him uh, that he was, you know, had, had won, you know, did not win at fair and square. Right. right. And um, there are, uh, for example, the challenging of the elector uh, on January 6th in 2005, when the same process was going through, 32 Democrats challenged the vote in Ohio, uh, including Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, uh, John Lewis, many other uh, Democrats, uh, 12 of them that are still in office. And they just couldn't get a senator to go along with them. Uh, At that point, there was two Republican senators. So the challenge we have uh, is, you know, I'll admit to, to our faults and our shortcomings, but I'm, I'm not going to, you know, bleed crocodile tears or, um, you know, for example, the city of Minneapolis had almost a billion dollars worth of damage done over the summer between in the riotings, uh, or 50 people were killed. Now, I'm not making the the moral equivalency because they're both wrong. Um, our friends on the Democratic side seem to think, you know, challenging, you know, what they what happened on January 6th is being worse than what happened in Minneapolis or Los Angeles or Chicago. I know a woman who lives in Chicago who uh, for six or seven months had tanks in front of her apartment complex over near the Trump Tower. Um, and. I don't know. Uh, is that, you know, that I, I guess what I'm trying to say is what happened from the Republicans perspective was completely wrong on January 6th. And, you know, we, we should be culpable, but, you know, for example, uh, the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, she did a GoFundMe page, uh, or, you know, campaign to help, uh, those that were arrested, you know, for looting and burning things down in, uh, in Minneapolis. So, you know, it, in, if the, if she had a, you know, a Donald Trump perspective or attitude, the press would have been all over her, but they gave her a pass. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there's, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a, a pox in all the houses right now. Right. And, you know, Republicans need to, you know, look them, you know, themselves in the mirror on that particular day. But I would, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to my Democratic friends looking over this this past year and uh, and, you know, assessing some of the things. I mean, Portland, you know, uh, I think it had um, they still have right. You know, they still have riots every night, uh, you know, for what are they're seven or eight months into it now. Uh, and, you know, you don't even hear about it in the news. It's, you know, it's kind of like telling people water's wet. Everyone knows it. Um, so. Yeah, here's, here's 
Um, when you mentioned the the Democrats challenging the vote in 2005, it is a case of almost sort of a, a warning to Democrats as well to say, be careful of the tools that you create, because I believe that was also a, a, a suggestion that people made in the aftermath of 2016 of saying, you know, perhaps that, uh, you know, a last ditch effort to stop Trump could mm-hmm. be to sway electors. Right. So I, I'm, I'm right. with you there. The, yeah. I think the, here, here's my question. When it comes to January 6th and um, all of the protests and, and burnings that happened over the summer, it, there, is, there, there is a difference in the sense that when the people who storm the Capitol are saying and using it as their legal defense, saying the president wanted us here, he, he said, go and you know, make a show of force at the Capitol. Whereas Kamala raising money for people who um, got arrested and so on. Mm-hmm. There, I, I, I have no idea. I don't know about that. Um, yeah. But what's the, the farthest I've seen the Democrats go in public is saying, listen, you can't blame people who are rioting, but not right. saying, um, which well, I'm, I'm happy to disagree with, but not saying, hey, come here and riot. Um, well, Dunk, let me let me challenge you just a little bit. Um, so we have seen numerous newscasts where over the summer where you could see the fires behind the reporter and they they're re- referencing them as mostly uh, peaceful. Now, right. I own a pizza place and it got burned down. I lost my business didn't feel very peaceful to me. Um, you know, I owned a restaurant, you know, mostly peaceful. No, I didn't feel like that way for me. So I guess what I'm trying to say is Republicans, they screwed up and we, we bought into the hype or not we, but you know, some bought into the hype and, um, you know, it's wrong. It, what happened on the sixth was wrong, but and I, and I'm, I'm not going to try to do the moral equivalency because right. I, I, you know, everyone's got to do that. You know, they, they got to, you know, come to terms with what they think is right or wrong. Um, but, um, you know, and I think sometimes in, in the, the court of public opinion, uh, conservatives, Republicans kind of get held to a different standard. And, you know, while we may not like that, it, it's probably the case. And so because we are, maybe we should up our game and raise our standards. And, you know, January 6th clearly was not a uh, standard raising ceremony. That's for sure. Yes. I think um, it, it, it's clear that um, even though I don't like Trump, it is definitely clear that he was there held to a different standard by the media. And I mean, there are cases where Joe Biden would tell outrageous lies like he marched in the civil rights movement where he didn't, and that didn't become a months long scandal. So I, I can appreciate Republican frustration. Here, here's my question now, where Trump is out of the White House, um, and it's kind of an open question of who's going to run for president in 2024. It might be him. He seems to continue to have a hold on the party. Uh, nope. Do you think that's a, a healthy position for the uh, for the party to be in? Well, so <laughs> I, he doesn't have a hold on the party. He's not going to be our our uh, nominee. 
Um, he's going to be up to his elbows and alligators as it relates to legal issues. Um, so, um, no, he's, he won't be our candidate. It'll be someone like uh, Tim Scott from South Carolina, uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, uh, uh, Nikki uh, Haley, also from South Carolina. She was governor. Uh, there's plus others, and it won't be Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz. You know, I think Ted is... Uh, <laughs> He may become a tour guide for uh, excursions to Cancun, but you know, he will not be our, uh, he won't be the next president or the Republican nominee. Well, that, but that is eerily reminiscent of what um, sort of traditional players in the Republican party said of Trump before he ran and won the nomination. I mean, right. Well, it, it's, it's hard to make these predictions and I, I guess, well, no, you're right. It's, it is hard to make predictions. I mean, uh, I mean, who would have thought uh, two years ago if you said, oh, Tom Brady's going to leave the uh, New England Patriots and uh, run down to Tampa and take him to the Super Bowl? You would have said, oh, man, pass a little of that over. I want to hit him, too. Um, but, you know, clearly uh, that's what happened. Um, you know, I, I hold no ill towards uh, President uh, Trump. I wish him and his family the best. Thank you for your service. Uh, but, you know, the same, uh, you know, I mean, this is a country of 335, 336 million people now. And there are other people besides Donald Trump that can lead this country. Sure. I, 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 it, apparently, there have been some preliminary polls conducted where he has something like 51% of Republicans would want him as the nominee yeah. of 2024. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Junk, on that? I'll, I'll tell you, I don't believe it. And again, I think it's part of the, the press trying to, you know, trying to keep him relevant. But, you know, one of the challenges that the president is going to have is he, he can't even get on social media. Every major platform has 86 of them. Um, now, we could, that I think would be a great, uh, you know, podcast for you to discuss. Yes. Not definitely. about Trump. But just, you know, their ability to silence people just because they don't like the, the message. Right. And um, so um, I, you know, I, you know, I could be wrong, but I, uh, I don't think he's going to be our nominee. I don't even think he's going to run. Um, and, you know, the fact that he's even mentioned about starting a third party. Yeah. Um, you know, I, <laughs> you know, that's that. I mean, in. The day of the um, the insurrection, he was tweeting. He tweeted a couple things that were very insulting towards Mike Pence. And um, you know, Mike Pence, you know, uh, is a very honorable guy. And it's you know, even the Democrats say it now, grudgingly, of course. And if he became our nominee, they'd go back to hating him. But for the for for time for for purposes right now, they they admit that he is a, an honorable man. He, his yes is his yes, his no is no. Um, and, um, and then he went off just recently um, against another uh, elected individual. And it's like, um, I, I, I get you're bitter, I understand. But, you know, you're a billionaire, you got a supermodel wife, you know, go in the backyard and kick the ball around with Baron a little bit, you know, you know, have a little combo with him. I, I, we're, we're good. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm I'm wondering. There's by the way, Duncan. Yes. Not I might be the only. Uh, <laughs> this might be the only chief of staff in all of uh, con- you know for Congress uh, on either side of the aisle would have this conversation. So anyway. no, I, I I appreciate it absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm 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 wondering what is um, it. It would appear that. However, a party gets their agenda passed as their leader, just even from a a selfish standpoint, you would not want to have a guy who, in the case of Ted Cruz, insults your wife, and then you got to make nice to him later. Or in the case of Mike Pence, you're unfailingly loyal to the man. And then as soon as you you break one inch from him, he throws you under the bus, It, it are there guardrails being put up to say, okay, we don't want a guy like that, or we don't want to have that kind of relationship to our leader uh, in the future? Well, you know, in fairness, Dunk, the um, Republican and Democratic parties, they allow the people. Now, there are some people, oh, you know, the insiders make the selection and, you know, in the smoke filled rooms. That's not true. We got primaries. And if you can get out there and beguile people with your message and convince them that, you know, you're that person, um, then, you know, you're going to be, uh, you know, a, you know, considered a serious nominee. Right. Uh, you know, President Trump, his strategy of knocking off one at a time um, was hugely successful. And, you know, I suspect in both parties, you know, in the future, at least for the next, you know, 12 to 16 years, I don't think we'll ever see someone kind of, you know, take the knife out and go at their opponents quite the way he did. Um, but, you know, I, again, I, you know, <laughs> many of our, the people in the Republican Party consider themselves Christian. And if we are Christian, then I think we need to be whole, held to a higher standard. And that means you lift people up. You don't mock them. You lift people up. You don't criticize them. You know, it's okay to have earnest, you know, disagreements. My wife and I do all the time. And, and you know, after the, we discuss it, I realize I'm wrong and we move forward. Yeah. But uh, for, you know, uh, in our party, um, I think we deviated and we sometimes took a vicarious thrill and enjoyment by some of the things that were uh, said by POTUS that if a Democrat had said that, we would have been freaking out. Right. Um, w- what do you make of this whole Q- QAnon phenomenon? Okay, so <laughs> the week before the election, someone in our office mentioned QAnon, I had never even heard of it. So I, my very strong, and I'm, you know, I've served in office myself. I've been in politics a fair amount of time. I'm chief of staff. I, you'd think I would have. And so I, Dunk, I, I don't think it's a deal. I don't, I mean, I think it's legit in terms of it exists. My um, guess more yeah. than anything else is it's more than likely probably something, you know, um, not college kids, because it's been around longer, you know, more than four years, but that it's, 
either some young people or Russians or some group that are taking a vicarious thrill out of basically uh, messing with people, almost kind of like the, the, the equivalent of Republican version of the onion pointed back at themselves. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm here in Branson, Missouri right now, and I, I had a Uber driver and there's only about four Uber drivers in town. And this guy's a, a QAnon supporter. And I, I'm, I'm all ears for what he's got to say. And, you know, every time I get in the car, it's, you know, all right, Wayne, how they, how, how are they lying to us today? And like, he, he, <laughs> but he's a very, very nice guy and not, does not strike me as being psychotic in any way. Um, yeah. But it, it, it is, it's definitely troubling that there's, I mean, people taking, well, go ahead. See here, see, it's the internet. Right. And I, I mean, the fact that myself as a 63 year old guy, deep in politics, travel the world and never heard of it. I, I think um, our friends on the left have a vested interest in playing up QAnon and the fact that we got Marjorie Taylor Greene, who just got elected, who, who evidently was at one point. Now she deny or now she says that, you know, it's wrong. And I was I was misled and all that. Right. You know, you know, I'll I'll take her at a word. Um, but I, I just think it's a bunch of um, uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me because it I, it wouldn't be Chinese or North Korean, uh, but it would not shock me to find out that it was Russian people. Now, you know, Russian hackers or, you know, whatever they call themselves. But the fact that people buy into it and, you know, part of it is people want to believe in politics, the worst thing about their opponents and that, that which is horrible. You know, the, I guess the cornerstone of their QAnon is that the, that there's a pedophile uh, ring Right. In Washington, D.C., uh, that Hillary Clinton is the leader of. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. Dunk, you and I sitting around in Branson drinking five or six beers. You and I wouldn't have come up with that. Right. No. And so it's 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 absolutely moronic. And so I and the fact that people buy into it, I, I think it says more about them than it says about QAnon. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Here, here's kind of what I'm getting at, though. When, when we talk about who could be, what's the future of the Republican Party? My, my perspective, and I'm curious what your thoughts on this are, is that it seems like the base has been fed a lot of conspiratorial or extreme messages, and they've been ramped up. And it's going to be hard to ramp people down. I mean, I, I think there's plenty of space for reasonable, well-intentioned people to disagree about uh, relative amount of taxes, how you approach climate change, uh, healthcare, all these things. But mm -hmm. it's apparently something like the majority of Republicans believe, and, and a, a sizable majority believe that the election was rigged or stolen. That seems like a, a at that point, if you believe that the election was rigged or stolen and that your leader has been ousted yeah. unfairly, but, but, that, but that, I can understand I, why people push on that and, and why people act in extreme ways on that belief. But don't, well, again, I, I, I mean, 
our bad, you know, shame on us for being that way. But the same thing happened in 16. The same thing happened in the, you know, in, well, look at the 2000, that election, you know, went all the way to, uh, to uh, late December. Right. And, you know, the Supreme Court had a way in. Uh, now, I give high marks. Eventually, you know, uh, Al Gore, you know, uh, cashed his chips in. Uh, but I, I, I'm not giving a lot of credence to, you know, the QAnon aspect or the challenging the vote stuff. Because uh, I think people, uh, I mean, I have no idea if President Trump is bringing forth that concept of him being that the election was stolen in good earnest faith, or is, is he just, you know, making stuff out of whole cloth? I have no idea, but everything and everybody that I've talked to says there's, it's not there. There's nothing, you know, there's no there there. Now, was there cheating in Michigan? Absolutely. Was there cheating in Pennsylvania? Oh yeah. But not to the degree that would have made the difference in the election. And so um, I, you know, I, that's my point of view. Yeah. And, um, you know, I gotcha. Well, so what are your, what do you hope happens? And not just about the future of the Republican party, but we've, for the past four years, I, I think it's been full tilt, you know, both sides at each other's throats and yep. I, it, it right. is not a situation that can end well in any reasonable form. Right. And it's not a good place for people to be at to solve disagreements. Um, right. Do you see, a path out of this or, or what do you, what do you see? Well, part of the challenge that we have is that so much of what people do and say, you know, gets weaponized. Um, and so what happened on the, the 6th of January um, and, and I get it, the, the Democrats are going to probably, you know, they're going to start a commission. They're going to keep the, the fencing up with the barbed wire for probably a year or two, right. you know, make it impossible for people to come and visit. You know, they're they're going to make it super uncomfortable and and, you know, and, you know, OK, um, you know, I, I they're in charge. I guess they get to call the shots. Um, but at some point, you know, we're all in this together. We're all Americans. And if, you know, I mean, is, is people's hatred towards Donald Trump because of marginal tax cuts because of the judges he appointed? Now, there may be some that don't like his judges, so I get that part. But um, he, was a pre- he was a president with a personality. And, you know, Jimmy, uh, or not Jimmy Carter, <laughs> uh, Bill Clinton was a little bit of a personality, not as, as out there as President Trump, but uh, he was more of a, not a cult figure, but people followed him predicated on his charisma and his ability to take on the, you know, the, uh, you know, the establishment. The question I think that yourself and other podcasters and newscasters and, and just uh, intellectuals out there is, why is it in some places that were overwhelmingly Democrat in 12 turn around and voted overwhelmingly Republican, you know, for Donald Trump in 16. Right. Uh, and, you know, what do they have in common? They're poor, they're white, um, you know, in many cases lost jobs, had 
you know, family members, you know, who are addicted to opioids. And those folks in that, you know, Northern Kentucky, Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, that corridor, they feel like they're lost souls. No one listens to them. Um, so, um, you know, he and whether President Trump purposely tried to cultivate that, but they were drawn to that. You know, someone who was going to speak up to, you know, to you know, speak truth to power, as they used to say in the '60s. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, I think that's a, a good note to end it on, uh, Kevin. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Duncan. All righty. All right. Bye bye. Cool. Bye bye. Thank you to Kevin Knight, and thank you for listening to Dunk Tank. I'm Duncan Gammy. See you next time.